0: Real Talk, brought to you by KCRER. I'm Bobby Howe.
1: I'm Alex Gehring. Bobby,
0: it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. It's been a while.
1: It has. It has been a while. When are we going to be able to see each other in person again soon? Like, that's got to happen sometime soon. When's that going to happen?
0: So I feel like there may be a KCRER a family fun event that hasn't actually been announced yet that's going to be happening. But maybe by the time this podcast comes out, that'll be happening. And so then that might be an opportunity to get together.
1: That'd be pretty fun.
0: Yeah. And that's the whole idea. So what I want you to, know, so since it hasn't been announced yet, I don't want to get into too much of it, but be watching your emails because we're going to have this really fun event to bring uh, family members together um, from all of our KCRR membership and just have a good old get together with some good old-fashioned fun. So my favorite foods are gonna be a part of this. So, I mean, if for nothing else, come out for yummy carnival food.
1: Oh, it's carnival. Are we gonna deep fat fried Twinkies?
0: Well, I'm not sure exactly all the foods, but see, I I don't know how much it's all been like-
1: no, for you, it'd be deep fat fried Oreos.
0: Or funnel cake.
1: Or funnel, well funnel cake's already deep fat fried. I know. Oh. You don't well, like? Are you gonna deep whoa, fat whoa, whoa. fry? Deep fat fry? Is whoa, it whoa, double deep, double deep fat fried?
0: Nope. Stop. No, I wasn't trying to deep fat fry a funnel cake because that is already fun. But do you, are you gave an ew. Do you not like funnel cake?
1: I mean, it's basically greasy. It's a
0: fried pancake.
1: Come greasy on. dough.
0: It's a fried <laughs> I pancake.
1: I don't know. It, it's like a massive donut that gives me stomach problems. Aww. It's it's a lot. I
0: love funnel cake. Funnel cake is amazing.
1: I, I, my problem is that I want to finish my plate. Mm. And so if you put something in front of me and, and it's a massive, you know, patty of, of, of wormy uh, dough, I'm probably going to eat the whole thing. That's Understood. all I'm saying. And then I'll feel sick. I don't know how to stop myself.
0: Okay so so for me a funnel cake is a shared food like me and my husband and my son we all sit at one funnel cake plate and we all get sections so i feel that i had some i satisfy that craving but there's no desire for me to finish the whole thing because my family will just eat it so funny story <laughs> mothers day was yesterday even though that this podcast is not coming out the day after mothers day but the day we're recording this mothers day was yesterday and i've been with my husband for 24 24- for years now, we've been married for 19, the kids eight. So we've been doing this Mother's Day thing for a while. Like, and I just understand that there's certain things that I'm just gonna have to do myself. If I want them, they're just gonna have to happen myself. That's how it, it's fine, we're good. I may have had a breakdown crying in my room for a little bit yesterday, but that's fine, we're okay. But on Saturday, I was at the store and this is my new tradition. This is the third year in the row. That I've bought myself a Mother's Day cake. Because you were at the store, they got all these cute cakes. No one else is gonna buy me a cake. I'd like to have I'd like my family to have some dessert and me not have to make it. It's win-win for everybody. So I bought myself a cake on Saturday for Sunday. I plan to share it with my family, that's what you do. But Saturday night before Mother's Day, I was outside playing with the dog, being the responsible human being while the boys played video games or whatever they did. And I came back inside to half the cake gone, just gone. Just the cake said mom across it. M O M. They just got into it. They just went for it. And then they're like, oh wait, were you saving that for tomorrow? Well, I'm saving it for me to have the first piece if nothing else. So it's been, it's fine. Does Ryan listen to the podcast?
1: (laughs) 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 No, I'm sorry, Bobby.
0: Oh, no, we're fine now. We've, I have so far we on. done. My favorite comment of the entire weekend was we were going to buy you this thing, but we decided we'd just rather let you pick it out by yourself. So then we spent yesterday shopping for said item that none of the stores have, and I didn't want to go shopping for it in the first place. Like, I did not I wanted to spend my day sitting and reading a book because it was rainy and crappy, you know? No, we spent the day shopping for something that I didn't actually want, if I'm being honest. But that I didn't want to spend my day shopping for. Like, I'll just go online find one. If that's what you want to get me, fine. But, anyways, it's fine. How was your mother's? <laughs> day? How was how was Sarah's Mother's Day?
1: You know, the thing about it is, is that I can't I can't listen to this story and think that hers was terribly different from that. <laughs> and and I think you know, well, I think that it's a pretty common. Mother's Day experience, um, you know, really, I, I do, and it, it, it does suck for you guys that, that yeah. really and, and it's not that I, it's not that I didn't try or right. anything, but I mean you you've got an eight-year-old now, which yeah. is crazy because when I met him, he was four, mm-hmm. um, which is mind-blowing. Uh, I've got a three-year-old, and she wants mom, right? And so when it's time for nap. Yep. I try to do it. It sucks. You know, it doesn't work very well. And so she just screams about how she wants mommy. Mm-hmm. And then she has to go up there and do it. And then I can tell that she's mad that she has to do it because, yep. you know, she doesn't intentionally stomp, but mm. she stomps. And yeah. so I could hear her upstairs. You know, I hear the, I can tell that she's, yes. that she's frustrated. And, you know, I so yeah, I, I get it. I yeah. get it. And that's uh, the thing.
0: If you talk to most moms, we don't want a fancy Louis Vuitton purse. We don't want, um, well, we would take a spa day. We would take a night away. We don't want a tennis bracelet. We don't want flowers. Those are nice, lovely things. We just want some time by ourselves. So like if you could yeah. send us away to a hotel by ourselves Saturday night, and then we just come home Sunday afternoon, that would be like the most, just be by ourselves. We don't need a bunch of family coming over. We don't need all those things. But I just felt like yesterday was just a normal Sunday. I was doing laundry. I made breakfast for everyone. I made dinner for every. Like it just was a normal Sunday of me running around the house doing all the normal things and them sitting on the couch and watching TV. And I'm like, isn't this supposed to be a day about moms not doing things? But now on Father's Day, it'll be the way it should be. But
1: But that's every day. The world.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, men. Moms run. If you didn't have women, true. The world would be a messy disaster with trash piled everywhere. And no clean clothes.
1: Hey, I, I, that's undeniable. Um, So uh, yeah, I'm, you know that, but the sentiment was there, Bobby. Yes.
0: (laughs) What?
1: I I mean, it's, 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 it's tough. Yes, Yes. At the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, I told, I told Sarah, I go happy mother's day. You're a wonderful mom. You know? And she goes, it's a hard job. It is. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it, it is. No, I, I get it. I it I, I know. I know. And you're filled
0: with self doubt every day. Am I doing the right things? Am I doing enough? Is it good enough? Yeah. I had some examples of moms in my life growing up, which weren't always the best examples, but weren't the worst examples. So then it's like, am I? How is my child gonna look back on me being a mom? Like, I. I want to be that mom that my kid's like, God, I had an awesome freaking mom. Like, that's that's my one goal in life. If I can't do anything else, that. So, all right.
1: Well, g- good talk. So. Good talk,
0: d- good talk. D- good, good, mother- <laughs> good Mother's Day talk. It's fine.
1: It was very real. It was a very real dis- d- discussion about Mother's Day.
0: It was. It was. It was. <laughs> Hey, so going on right now, and by the time this podcast comes out, it will have just finished up, so I don't feel like we're untimely, but the NAR legislative meetings, or mid-year, as I prefer to always call them, are going on right now. They were last week, and they're this week. They'll culminate in a board of directors meeting on Friday, where we elect a new first vice president, or whatever the position is. Um, Have you been tuning into any of that?
1: I have. For me personally... I'm fed up with the three weeks of of virtual meetings. Um, And I'm so excited that we're getting closer and closer to being back in person.
0: Well, we are because November San Diego is hybrid. You can choose to stay at home or you can be right there in San Diego with all your realtor friends. We're going in person.
1: I'm so excited for that. That will be brilliant.
0: Yes, and no, I, I agree with you 100%. Because the worst of the worst of our industry are showing themselves in those chat boxes. In those chat boxes, you see the reason why we needed 10.5. Like you're just like. If, of all the places for you to say the things you're saying, why would you say them right here? I'll tell
1: you that the flip side is true as well. A lot of times, some of the most insightful discussion is happening on the chat and probably better ideas, honestly, than what are being thrown out in the actual committee. And nobody cares. Nobody pays attention. And it right. never gets anywhere beyond the chat box. So but so that it, right there, both ends.
0: that is the replication of what we always called lobby con. So often in real estate conferences, whether it's NAR or Enmin or any of them, the best conversations happen in the lobby. So in the chat box. It's not what's happening in the room. It's not what's being presented on the stage. It's not what's on the agenda. It's that conversation of people like me and you and Brian and Mara all sitting at the Marriott Wardman, which is now closed, rude, just having a quick beverage, having some snacks, and just having a true conversation with each other. Now That stuff may never go anywhere, or it may, but most likely it's not gonna go anywhere, but it's some of the best conversations that we could have and some of our best ideas come out of that. And we have to learn how to take that chat and LobbyCon and do stuff with it.
1: There's a better, uh, there are better odds that my discussion with you and Brian and Mara are gonna go somewhere than my discussion with the people that violate 10-5 on the chat. And so that's the the deal. Fair enough. it's easy for me. It's easier to uh, take an opinion that you have and lobby appropriately with people in person true. than it is uh, in the uh, in the in the risky chat. So
0: true, because often we can just because of who we are, we can just pick up and go find the president and go, "Hey, we had this good idea." Like because we have those connections, we can just make things happen as opposed to just stuff getting lost in a chat. All right. We Can I say have one, one more on thing in- about
1: it before uh, go, before go. you say what you were gonna say? Sorry, the on. the other thing is that the uh, we like for MLS mm-hmm. there were two meetings that were had that were nearly identical, mm-hmm. and it's because one of them was a, a forum and one of them was like an actual action meeting. Yeah. Well, that wasn't like at all clear, and we were just told that we needed to go to both of them. And so I had to sit through <laughs> two of virtually the exact same thing. It, that's, was, it was ridiculous. And also there was no discussion really had amongst the committee members in either meeting. So it was just lit- literally
0: the same presentation two yeah. times. And that, that's a failure on staff's part because whenever I was chair of strategic thinking for NAR, there's a the strategic thinking advisory committee and there's the strategic thinking advisory forum and so there is a forum attached to the committee. but if there is not anything to be discussed in a forum, you just cancel it. That's that's literally how you're supposed to do it, and staff's supposed to alert you to do that. So exactly. But we have four minutes before our guests show up. So we need to A talk about who our guests are. And this was your idea. I loved your idea for this podcast. so I'll let you talk about who we're bringing on. And then I got a book bit to bust on through.
1: All right. Well, we had a brief discussion uh, a couple of episodes ago about uh, the lumber situation. Um, And uh, who knows what things are going to look like when this podcast airs uh, on May 19th, but it's probably not going to be markedly different from where we're at right now. Nine Um, days. Yeah. (laughs) It's in five days. I guess that's true. Uh, It's... uh, We've, we've got a problem. We've got a serious problem. We're going to bring on uh, Brenda Stan- Brenda Sanders and Bruce Stout. Uh, they're with Rod Rock, uh, and they're going to talk to us a little bit about uh, what the lumber situation is doing to new homes across the Kansas City community, and if there's uh, any relief in sight, and maybe talk about some uh, possible solutions to the problem. So, um and also the expectations you should have when you're working with new homes right now in this current market. So anyway, I, th- I think it'll be a, a really great discussion and I look forward to having them both on. They're great, great people. Um, but Bobby, you have a book bit?
0: It's crazy, I know, right? I do.
1: Do-do-do-do-do, Bobby's book bit.
0: Casey, I'm glad mm. I picked the dog out before I did this because the dog was like right on the other side of the wall and I was like, Mom, let I like my <laughs> raring. Okay, so- I went back to the old books I had down in my basement on my shelves. I was like, let's go digging back to some old stuff. And I found my Freakonomics and Super Freakonomics books. And I decided to focus on Super Freakonomics today because it's just fun to say Super Freakonomics. I mean, come on. So it talks about non-obvious solutions to tricky problems by focusing on raw, hard data and thinking like an economist. Don't we always talk about data in real estate? Everything in real estate is just about data, data, data. But my quote from the book that I like is that most of us want to fix or change the world in some fashion, but to change the world, you first have to understand it. And that's true. How can we change anything if we don't understand what the actual issue is? So um, they take an economic approach to what's going on in the real world, which means using statistics and hard data to find out what drives human behavior. And that's the actual important parts of human behavior. But what I love about this book is that they, They tackle really interesting topics like prostitution, terrorism, and global warming when we're looking at ways to solve things. I know Alex's eyes is like, wait, what? Um, So there's three lessons as always. The very first one is even the best incentives don't work out as planned and they always come with side effects. The idea is simple enough. You promise someone a reward for performing an action and hope that everyone in the target group shows the desired behavior. However, there's a hidden force at play here, the law of unintended consequences. And that's the behavior that occurs after giving an incentive that weren't planned. Such for instance, you get your kids to do the dishes if uh, you pay them a dollar for every plate that they wash. Well, the unintended consequences, they may start washing plates that were never dirty to begin with, or they start expecting money for other chores. So for every time you give a reward, There's people that try to skirt the rules and give you an unintended consequence. Lesson two, simple solutions to tricky problems are often hidden on a more generic level. Data always helps you find a solution, but not in the way that you think. Data points that you thought you'd collect but different, but didn't, sorry, often tell a more revealing story than just the normal data. This is called omitted variable bias, which means you've forgotten to include one of the most important factors in your analysis, such as there is actually a correlation between a country's chocolate consumption and the number of Nobel Prize laureates that that country has. But that doesn't mean that eating chocolate makes you more likely to win a Nobel Peace Prize. Damn it. Uh, it just means that wealthier countries have a higher level of education and also spend more money on luxury foods such as chocolate. And that's fun. And the third one is you can never have enough data. So always collect as much as you can. The more data you have, the more counterintuitive findings will emerge. So always have as much data as you can. And we talk about that. There's so many different pieces of data. Get all of it and then later figure out what to do with it. So Super Freakonomics, they look at some really interesting topics. You're Using your data with prostitution, it's super cool. You should go check it out.
1: Good book bit. Uh, you know what we should do?
0: Bring on our guest. Well, yeah,
1: I think so. I think okay. that would be that'd be nice.
0: All right, we'll be back with Brendan and Bruce. <music> Applications are currently open for the UMKC Realtor Leadership Academy. What? That's awesome,
1: right? But I've been—I was a graduate of the Leadership Academy. And actually, so it, it came out before or after Bobby was already very engaged and Bobby was actually one of my speakers when I did the leadership Academy.
0: Oh, I was, I forgot about that. It's true. (laughs) It's true. It's
1: true. Well, for those of you who don't know, the UMKC Realtor Leadership Academy is a seven month program developed by KCRIR with the Henry W. Block School of Management at UMKC.
0: But just so you know, the curriculum is specifically tailored to realtors and the skills and knowledge we can use to stand out in our business.
1: It's also only limited to 25 students per year, so I mean time is of the essence. Mm -hmm. Those students will have the opportunity to work on team-based assignments and projects, engage in field assignment, and interact with industry experts
0: and do an awesome presentation at the very end. That's my favorite part of the entire Leadership Academy. The classes take place on the UMKC campus and those who graduate from the Academy actually earn alumni status at the Henry W. Block School of Management. I think that's pretty freaking cool.
1: Yeah, what that means is that I'm a Roo. You are a Roo. I am apparently a Roo. You are applications close on july 30th so visit slash leadership academy to learn more or you could go there and just apply today
0: also remember the day we have to specify forward slash or backslash we don't anymore we just say slash
1: yeah if you don't have that figured out anymore if you if if at this point you're confused about that uh give up on the internet just (laughs) do something different
0: or sign up for umkc leadership academy they'll teach you that there
1: Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. We are back with our amazing guest today. We have Brenda Sanders. We've got Bob Sloan, which we didn't mention before the break. And we have Bruce Stout. Brenda, um, can you tell us a little bit about your position with Rod Rock?
2: Well, I I run the real estate division for Rod Rock Development. And um, I'm also the builder liaison between Rod Rock Development and our builder community because we've got a lot of builders that build with us um, across, I think we have 20 subdivisions now. And in Sundance Ridge, Bruce Stout and Bob Sloan are our agents. And they've both been in the industry a very long time and are very knowledgeable so uh, hopefully we'll be able to answer your questions today between all of our years of experience we'll see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good well I'm sure you will be able to I know you guys have been crazy busy right now uh, dealing with a lot of people's questions uh, dealing with a ton of traffic during the parade we just got done with the parade and I'm sure you guys are glad to be done with the parade. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yep. so I, I I know that you guys are very busy. Uh and a lot of that's because you are the inventory that we have right now uh, in a lot of cases. Uh so you just want to tell us a little bit about what your experience in this marketplace is like? It, it's
3: been it's, it's been very unique uh for lack of a better word. Um you know, we're dealing with all kinds of issues with regards to like lumber increases, copper increases, shortage of labor, um, you know, low inventory within the resale market has really driven a lot of our activity. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a struggle. The parade, uh, finished up yesterday, but you know, we're still on site seven days a week, you know, Monday through Saturday, 10 to five Sundays, noon to five. And it's always funny. The last day of parade, people come running in feeling like after the parade's over, we're going to shutter the windows. And and close up shop, but um, you know we're all, we're here seven days a week. But it's been really unique, um, you know. And we're still struggling to get inventory. You know, there's a lot of the builders out there that have created or uh, entered into so many build jobs over the last six to nine months. Uh, the market's just been unbelievable. Uh, we're we're putting the build jobs in front of this speculative inventory at this point to a degree. Um, And just trying to get foundations in and the lack of labor has really slowed that process. And it's really kind of a trickle down all the way from the architects through uh, getting the home finished.
1: Sure. So, Bruce, when you say that you're putting the build jobs in front of the speculative inventory, can you expand on that just a little bit and explain what that means to our listeners?
3: Well, if if, if I'm a builder and I've got a uh, acceptable contract for a build job, that becomes a priority for me and my customer. Um, you know, obviously, we've it's it's imperative to build speculative inventory for those people that are coming out of town, uh, reload customers, people that have sold their house, you know, in 24 hours with multiple offers. You know, now they don't have any place to go. So we're, we are still ramping up and getting speculative inventory. But, uh, you know, from a priority standpoint, we've got a customer on paper, and it's important to get that house constructed and completed in a timely manner.
1: I think that one of the tricks to this whole situation is that we talk a lot about new homes and really, and how that, that might rescue us. I'm putting that in quotes uh, from our current inventory shortage, but really what people are saying when they say that is that they need more speculative inventory. Um, And, and that's, that's really the deal. So that kind of leads into the next question, Um, and we're kind of curious, you know, Lawrence Yoon is is the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. And he talks a lot about how, uh, building is what is hopefully gonna, uh, see us through this, this situation. Um, do you guys feel that that's the case? Um, and, and how are we gonna, how are we gonna get there?
2: We do feel that's the case. We do believe it will be a very strong market still in new home construction for at least 18 more months, at least. Um, the builders are very aware of that. They have been staffing up and working diligently to get more speculative inventory out the door. And they're they're getting there. They're really working hard at that. And But with that comes... They're giving us the inventory, the foundations are in the ground, they're gonna start framing soon, but we don't have pricing yet. Because, you know, lumber affects not just the, um, you know, the building of the construction of the home, it's in the flooring, it's in the cabinetry, it's in the trim, it's in the windows. So they're really having to watch their pricing. Um, and so usually by, around rooftop they feel comfortable about giving us a price now many times people say I can't wait I I need to get something under contract and that would be the key that I would say to the agents is make sure your buyer is teaming up with a builder that can that really understands what's going on and really knows how to maneuver through this in conjunction with the buyer you know, there's escalation clauses that can be uh, written into the contract and meaning, you know, today the house would cost X. But by the time the lumber is dropped and you have picked out your cabinets, we will know more specifically where you're going to be on your cost. So understand there could be an escalation in the pricing. So the the key is trust your builder. Know that your builder is working diligently to, um, get you through the process fairly. Um, you know, the builders aren't making any extra money per house. It's not them that's capturing all this money. It is just the cost of doing business right now, but they're trying to, um, maneuver through this. This is something we've never seen, but they're, they're getting, they're definitely on foot now. And they know how to, um, you know, explain it, sell it, and build it.
3: You know, and one thing I would, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to reach out to the builders and ask for invoicing. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, that contract, what's your bid price? And then once you send me a, a overage of some type, you know, I'd like to see invoicing to, uh, to justify that overage. You know, historically, new construction makes up about one out of every 10 sales. Today, we're like one out of every four. So it, there's a tremendous influx on the building industry right now. So it's, it's nice to be in a new home community and have those opportunities. It's just a matter of getting the materials and the labor.
0: So, so Brenda, you brought up the escalation clauses we've gotten into it now prices have just gone up that's outside everybody's control and i'm glad you brought that up because i've been noticing in a lot of closed facebook groups around the kansas city market with just realtors they're coming in freaked out that all of a sudden my buyer's got to pay twenty five thousand more for this house and what are we going to do how are we going to deal with that so i love that you brought that up what are some ways that people can make sure they're protecting themselves and everybody in the transaction as they go in if there's anything else other than escalation clauses and the second part to my question is What has caused all these prices just to skyrocket? We're focusing on lumber because everybody's sharing the photo that was on the news, the price last April versus this April, and it's 400% more. But what is causing all of this to happen right now in the middle of everything else going on?
2: Well, I think, you know, to answer the first part would be to say it's so important that when you come in to these build jobs, it's eyes wide open understanding that there will be things that could escalate the price and the builders know how to explain it. And the agents on site know how to explain it. I can explain it. If some, anyone wants to, you know, give me a call. The, um, the trick is just understanding point a Mm -hmm. and, and what items might escalate, you know, lumber, appliances and and a lot of that is just due to shortage and it's also due to just getting getting the stock um we're having a hard time getting a lot of the items that it takes to build a home but they're coming and it is going it is going to get better it definitely is going to get better it's just we don't know when but again go into this with teamwork With your builder. They're not here to take money out of your pocket unnecessarily. They don't like this whole thing any more than anyone else. It has been a real um, hurdle, but they know how to explain and every builder works a little differently some of them have just been staying ahead of the base price increases and they aren't using lumber escalation clauses necessarily others are saying we're going to hold our base price but we are going to use this escalation clause just to capture you know the hard costs so every builder works a little bit differently it's just very important that you are having a frank discussion with the builder?
3: Bobby, it's not a whole lot different than what we've experienced for years with regard to site costs. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this is just another box that we have to check during that interview process with both the builders, the community, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, and and I'll kind of address the second part of your question, you know, what has created this issue, you know, kind of depends on what publication you read or something like that. But, but when COVID first hit, a lot of the sawmills, well, there's really basically about five or six sawmills in the United States that supply all of the lumber. Um, when COVID first hit, a lot of them, two or three, decided to, to scale way back in anticipation of the market shutting down because of COVID. The other publication will tell you that, you know, there were outbreaks within the sawmills and things like that. So that forced them to shut down. Then when the summer months rolled around and the market exploded, we were all kind of caught off guard, for lack of a better word, and uh, got way behind in the process. And, and again, I think a, a big part of why there's such a lumber shortage, it goes back to the ratios that we talked about earlier, the one versus 1 to 10, the significant lack of uh, resale inventory. There's just a lot more people wanting to build homes today than we've seen in the past.
2: And I think you've read and you've heard, you know, COVID just made people realize what they really wanted in a home. (laughs) And so a lot of the times it's go build it you know, we'll, you tell us what you want and we'll build it for you. And they are also not spending a lot of extra money on traveling anymore and all of the other things that we would tend to do. So they're investing in their home life more. And so you couple that, that with low interest interest rates and the lack of, um, you know, resale inventory and wow. I mean, our, Our parade traffic has been insane and it has been exciting and we are going to help every single person that is interested in building a home. We will help you get through it. We will um, get you, pair you with a great builder that can, you know, help you understand, yes, it may be costing a little bit more now, but the, the truth of the matter is, is you're investing in neighborhoods where everyone is very similar in pricing. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to worry about, you know, overpaying for your neighborhood, so to speak, um, because everyone's pretty much in the same boat. And um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting times, but it's definitely, we're, we figured out how to manage it now. Yeah.
0: You know, and I, you talk about the one in four, as opposed to being the one in 10. And I think for those other people, the other three that aren't, they're staying in their own homes. They're doing something to their own home. I think of my own neighborhood. i up in St. Joe, like I said, I'm in an older neighborhood that was built in the sixties and seventies, but I look around at every house around me and almost everyone has added a deck, added a fence, added on a room to their house. <laughs> if mm. I'm going to stay here, I'm going to make it exactly what I want. So everybody's using all of those resources that normally was just a one in 10 resource. Right. So, um, Alex, um, this is one of my favorite questions and I don't feel like they were all, well, I'll, I'll wait for that. Alex, do you have something else you want to ask before I get to my
1: my question. I guess what I'm kind of curious, I've got, I've got two things. Okay. One, so obviously base prices have gone up be, because of this. I think it's important that our listeners know that, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, that has not decreased the demand on new home construction at the moment, even though base prices have gone up. How, how, how much have they gone up? What are the kind of swings you guys are seeing?
3: you know in, in a price point of around you know between six and eight hundred we 're seeing price increases over the last 12 months of approximately seventy thousand per house um,
1: and that that hasn 't slowed down demand for these houses it's
3: really weird you would expect it to but if anything our sales have doubled versus the first quarter of last year um, if not tripled Uh, It's we had an absolutely phenomenal January and February and March uh, here in Sundance Ridge. Now we're reloading and we're getting ready to start a bunch of new specs right now. And that's the other thing. I do think that the builders over the last nine months have uh, retooled their companies to a degree. Mm -hmm. And we are starting to see a lot more activity. They're, They're catching up, if you will.
1: So guys, do the appraisers understand what's going on? Mm-hmm. And 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 are you having issues there?
2: So far, the appraisers have grabbed onto this and they do understand. And you know, in New Home Construction, we're making a very detailed um list of everything that's happening, you know, going into the home. So the home price breakdown is something that they always request. And and there it is, you know, they see how we came to the number we came to. And so far, there have been no appraisal issues that I am aware of. Um,
1: Good. I'm not
2: anticipating any. And, you know, and back to the the, the demand from buyers. I think I've heard a number of times people have said, you know, well, we sold our house for such a great price. The interest rates are so low. We really want what we want. So we're going to go for it. You know, even if it is, you know, if they looked at the same home a year ago, they're kicking themselves that they didn't buy it, but they're still in the game just because it all evened out, you know, from what they purchased sold their home for, and the great rates, and so far, so good. Good.
0: That's all, I will say that's always the game in new construction, though, is as, especially on a custom build job, is that as I get into doing it, oh, I'll just go ahead and upgrade this. Oh, I'll upgrade. I'm only doing it once. We're just going to upgrade. It's kind right. of the same thing. We're in the same game. Let's just do it the way we wanted to do it and just get it done and have it over with. So right. uh, Bruce, Brenda, and Bob, the three Bs, I love it. We have the B's on this side of my screen and all the A's are over there. It's fine. We're doing a testing. It's fine. Um, My favorite question to ask our guests as we finish up our podcast is what have we not talked about today that we haven't talked about so far? What
2: else? What should I have asked you about? You know, I can't really think of anything other than I would like to reiterate that, you know, the builders are the hardest working group of people you'd ever want to meet. And this has been a very challenging uh, time for them. And there's going to be a lot of houses that they're going to close this year. They're going to make any money on because they got caught back, you know, before we really knew what was happening. But, you know, their reputation leads the way and they're closing these people out. And they won't walk away with making much money, if any at all. So they have retooled. And they really want, I think, everyone to know it's not like they're just making a whole lot more money uh, on each home. They've had to staff up and things I mentioned earlier, just they really want everyone to believe in them, know that they are still working as hard as ever through these very challenging times. And they are welcoming you know, the conversation. They're not afraid of the conversation. No one's hiding from the conversation of all the increases. It is what it is. But they are um, just terrific home builders and ready to meet with the agents and the buyers and talk them through it. Bob, do you think that's what your builders are saying?
3: Absolutely. And I've had a couple of uh, of co-op agents i worked with for a long time that told me last week, Rather than have their buyers get into a bidding war on a resale and spend thirty to fifty thousand over to just to get into that house
1: and then have to spend whatever to you know you know update it, they'd rather see that put them in a new house. at least we you see you know where your money's going. Absolutely. I mean, it makes sense and, and I think uh I know that a lot of these builders I can only imagine are getting uh, not necessarily the f- most friendly response. <laughs> from a lot of the co-op community. And so, I mean, your your words uh, ring true. It's just like any other problem that we encounter in this industry. You are not going to solve it by being nasty. You just aren't. That is not gonna be what what gets the job done. So I appreciate you bringing, bringing that up uh, very much. And then also, I just wanna say, uh, you guys are so great about... Uh, working with co-op agents. Uh, you guys are, are fantastic at that. Uh, the, you, you guys are always people that I reach out to when I have problems with new home construction and even issues uh, like what we're talking about today. Um, I reached out to Brenda to talk to her about what was going on and make sure that I had my mind wrapped around it correctly um, so I appreciate you guys so much, and how um, m- how respectful you are of the co-op community. Um, you play with us very well, and I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys are
3: vital to uh, everybody's success, and and bringing the the buyers to us, and and you know, helping us through these problems as well. You know, like Brenda said, as long as everybody comes in eyes wide open, and we can actually sit down and explain it uh the builders can join in on that conversation. But if everybody's on the same page, we typically don't see any problems. It's just a matter of up front explaining everything and making sure that uh all the cards are
0: on the table. Awesome. Well thank you guys so much for your time today. We really do appreciate you taking time out of your day, coming together and talking with us because this is a topic we're all talking about behind the scenes. So we might as well be talking about it out in the open. Um, Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Alex, final words?
1: Nope, I don't have anything. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank well, you for the for you. opportunity. Thank you.
2: And if Thanks. there's for anything that anyone at Rod Rock can do for you, please let us know. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks everybody. Take care.